I'm gonna try uh and simplify a few things for us tonight. just state things over and over and to try to do that simply tonight as we're talking about the kingdom there's lots of things there's lots of things God uses to describe our relationship with him is the church the bride of Christ it's an illustration we're not a bride but we understand marriage are we God's covenant related children God our Father, children of God. This is what we are, John said. It's not what we call ourselves. This is what we are, 1 John 3. Now, what we are is God's children through Jesus. Why does he tell us that? Well, because we have children. We've been a children, and we have children. We understand that. Kingdom is another one of those terms I don't know what terms are going to make things click in your brain, but you need to learn all the terms that you can, and some of those help you understand what God is offering us in Christ Jesus. What he's offering us is kingdom, and what kingdom is... Kingdom is the reign. Basileia is the original word, the Greek word for kingdom. It's the reign and the rule of the king. In Luke chapter 22, I don't know, in the 40s, probably about verse 42, you see Jesus praying this. It's as simple as I know how to say the idea of kingdom. He went to the garden to do the king's will. He went to the garden to talk to his father because he's trying to implement this. He has to sacrifice himself to, in order for God to elevate him to the point of king so that he has authority, so that things happen in his name. And here's what he goes to the garden and says, here's what I want. Something else. But he said, I didn't come up here to get my way. I came up to the Mount of Olives. I came up to the Garden of Gethsemane so that thy will be done. This is what he's offering us. This morning we tried to uh, underline how he connects the resurrection to that. Because when God raises us out of the watery grave, our bodies are washed in pure water and and we're raised. I mean, we're physically immersed in water and then we're physically raised out of water. But there's a spiritual reality that's behind that. And you're not the same. Same height, you're not the same. 
Well, I feel the same. I'm just going by what the Bible told me. And I'm going to take God's word over your feelings or my feelings 100% of the time. He said, you're not the same. The old has gone. Was that guns and ammo or was that 2 Corinthians 5? The old is gone. The new. And lots of writers, I don't remember 2 Corinthians 5 right off the top of my head, but, but... the Hebrew writer will use a term for new that's not the same thing improved a little bit. No, it's new in time and new in kind. And you've never lived life with Jesus abiding within you until God did what he did at your baptism. And when you came out of that watery grave, the spirit that raised him from the dead raises you from the dead and you now abide in his kingdom. That's one way to illustrate what's going on. And I say that, I'm saying this is as simple as I know how to say it. That's as simple as I know how to find it in Scripture. I'm saying that to underline to us how important this is. And that when we were talking this morning about them, them, the Jews, when they were rejecting the sign, Jesus is the sign spoken against. He's the king spoken against. He is the resurrection. Why is that spoken against? Because the resurrection means what? The resurrection means he is the son of God. That's what the resurrection means. He wasn't raised to live life again. He was raised new. He was raised in dominion over death. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him, Romans 6 says. Romans 1, 4, he was uh, declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. That is the ultimate sign that God gave in Jesus that he is God in the flesh. And that's what this term means, son of God. What does that have to do with the kingdom? Has everything to do with the kingdom? Come over here with me to Psalm 2. To Psalm 2. See, a lot of times what we're able, what, what we're, we find a way to do in our mind is this is God's command. Don't do your own will, do my will. Well, okay, that's God's command. But this is, the kingdom is more than God's command. The kingdom is God's offering. God is offering us a life that is no longer my will. It is God's will. is we've talked recently about me being my own worst enemy. This right here, brothers and sisters, is the victory, and it is the only victory over that. This is the only victory that God will offer you over yourself. It is the kingdom. And let me tell you, it works. You know why? Because guess what? The son is king. And It cost him the blood of his son. I point to the feast that we remember his blood. It cost him the blood of his son to put his son in place 
as the king so he could extend to me a life lived where it's not about me, it's about him. Where it's not based on me, it's based on him. Where it's not my purpose, it's his purpose. This is a whole different deal than God saying some stuff and me trying to do it all the time. That's, that's not Christianity. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom... The kingdom is God's reign and rule in my life, and that is what he offers me. A long time before Jesus ever got here in the flesh, he gave this song, this psalm that they said and prayed together. And it's about the king. Why do the nations conspire? The people of the world. Why do they conspire? Why do the peoples plot in vain? Because they're going to fix it. They don't want. They don't want the reign of God in their life. They don't want to have to depend on the reign of God. They're just going to take some of God's rules or take their own rules, and they're going to fix their sin and their death problem. They don't need God's help. And before you start checking that off as noble and brave. Uh, you're going to see before we get through with this psalm, you don't want no part of that. You don't want no part of that. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. This is the psalm they read at the accession of every new descendant of David that took over the throne. This psalm is about the king of God's people. Now, I mean, it has actual application, historical application, all the time along the way here. Yeah, but for us, my point is, when he says the anointed one, he ain't talking about a prophet. He's talking about the king. If you, if you conspire together against the Lord, you're conspiring together against his Holy One. Uh-uh, uh-huh. Come over here to Acts chapter... We'll just go to chapter 4. That's the point, Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have just been captured by the, for doing a, a... healing a cripple guy over here. They're before the Jewish Supreme Court. And these guys decide to tell them to hush, to quit doing miracles. They're standing there. They're standing there before the Sanhedrin. We'll back up to verse 13. When they saw, uh, when they saw, we'll just back up to 12. Everybody likes 12. Salvation is found. I wish. We could just, here's the context of verse 12, by the way. Salvation is found in no one else. This is uh, Peter talking. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, authority, 
under heaven. Does Jesus have any authority? Yeah, he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's now king. There's no other authority under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You don't be saved outside the authority and the kingdom of Jesus. And when they saw the courage in the Peter of John and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man standing, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, that's kind of undeniable, isn't it? The guy's been crippled. For, he's 40 years old. No, right here, what are we? There's not even a conversation to have. Here's the guy and he's healed. Since they could see the guy standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So here's what they came up with. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. Okay, they're huddling up. What's the plan? What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they've done. They've done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. Listen to them. We can't deny the authority of Jesus. They just did this in his name. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn. Oh, they're going to warn these men. Boy, that'll teach them. We're going to warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. This is what they've saddled up to ride against the Lord and his king, his anointed one. Really? Then they called them in again and commanded them. They didn't just warn them. They commanded them uh, not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. That's a very interesting thought. After further threats, well, they're really getting with it now, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. What happened? A guy got healed. So Jesus died on the cross. God raised him from the dead on the third day. Forty days later, he ascends into heaven so that crippled people can get healed. Is that the point? No. Why is the guy healed? Because God's offering this. Why is the guy healed? Because God wants everybody to know when these guys are talking, they're talking from me. When they're preaching to you about the kingdom, they're telling you the truth. Whatever they say is what's already been bound in heaven. This is the truth and this is my covenant. These guys are telling you. So. After further threats, they decided to let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. The church. They went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices to, together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. 
Not sovereign Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin's trying to be sovereign. That's the problem. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant, our father David. Guess what they're going to say together or sing together? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Now we can come back over here to Psalm 2. When Peter and John, the apostles, when, when they get the church together and they're appealing everybody to everybody, okay, here's what happened. The whole Jewish nation, the leaders of the Jewish nation are going to be adamantly against us. They're going to they're going to threaten us. They're going to accuse us. All of this stuff, and we got to keep going. God, please help us keep going. When these inspired guys are leading the church in prayer, you know what they're praying about? Kingdom. You know who they're talking about? The king. You know who he is? The son of God. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break off their chains, they say. Let us throw off their fetters. The one enthroned, there's the idea of king again, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them, and then he rebukes them in his anger, and he terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. Here's the Lord's decree regarding his king, regarding the nations, regarding those who oppose his kingdom. He said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father. He's not talking about when his son is born. He's talking about the day he becomes king, when his name, when his authority, when when he is reigning and ruling. You said to me, you are my son. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. A rod of iron, okay, but it's it's the rod of iron that the king has. The Septuagint would tell you it's has the idea of reign and rule in there. You rule them with an iron scepter, you will dash them to pieces like pottery. What kind of chance does a piece of pottery stand against an iron scepter? Against a rod of iron? There's no, there's no, there's no tussle here. There, there's no. Mm-mm. Was at camp one summer and I took a couple of flower pots. A lady up there had given me and I took a rock bar I found where somebody'd been digging post holes and I set it on a bench in Bible class. That was my illustration. I set that pottery up there and I swatted it just as hard as I could with that post bar. That post hole digging bar. Wasn't much of a contest. Pottery went for 50 yards in every direction. Shattered pieces of it. Is this God killing Gentiles? No, this is God reigning and ruling over our enemies. This is God's power to reign and rule over me. 
You'll rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. Oh, it just went from the king back to the sun. Kiss the sun lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. Proskuneo is a word used a good bit in the New Testament for worship. You know what it means literally? A kiss toward. We want to give God the credit. We want to give Jesus the credit for who he is. God said, you don't want to play around with something else. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath could flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's the offering right there. That last statement. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All the power, all the authority, all the anointing, all the, all the defense, everything that the king stands for, the king's authority, the king's might, the king's power, everything that the king has is for the blessing of the kingdom. It's to create and sustain the kingdom. It's so that those who are in the kingdom take refuge. What's the point of the kingdom Take refuge. In the king. That's the point, brothers and sisters. That's the point. God didn't tell you anything in this book to build your confidence in you. You couldn't make a sandwich spiritually, much less accomplish redemption or righteousness. Or reign and rule over evil and wickedness and temptation and all that opposes you and all that threatens you. The reason God has a king is God wants to offer refuge. And let me tell you, we're in a war that's way over our head. No, we are too. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark worldness against the spiritual forces of evil and realms above us. We're not trying to get better at anything. We're not trying to have a contest. I obeyed more commands today than Brandon did. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to take refuge in the king. And should you want to twist Christianity around so that it's not God's affording you refuge in the king, you need to read the verse above that and you need to take that warning very seriously. Because you will kiss the king. You will kiss the son lest he become angry. You don't want any part of that. I don't either. I don't either. I want this. 
I want refuge in the king. I want him to use all of his power and all of his authority and all of his might to accomplish this. This is this is my personal greatest goal, not for my will to be done, but for thy will. God's the God's the specific one. I want God's will to be done. Don't we? Isn't that what we want? Or are we trying to see what we can get away with? What what are we doing? This right here is what we want. We don't want something else. Jesus, not just our example, he forged the way. If he doesn't die on the cross, this is not even available to us. This is not available to us. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't die on the cross so we could take refuge in ourselves. You can, how are you going to stand up against the wrath of God? We can't do that. He died on the cross so that he would have the right. He would have the right to offer refuge to sinners. That's exactly what the kingdom is, is the kingdom is God offering refuge to sinners. Where my sin doesn't reign and rule over me. My sin can't bring me condemnation. The sin of anybody else and everybody else can't condemn me or whip my king or destroy my refuge. The refuge I've taken in him by his authority. I offer that to you for your consideration. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you would sacrifice your son and that you would prove, Father, the value of that sacrifice when you raised him victoriously from the grave three days later. And 53 days after that sacrifice, Father, you would enthrone him in heaven itself at your right hand and he would reign and rule over anything and everything on our behalf. He reigns and rules, Father, as king to offer us a refuge, a refuge from sin, from condemnation, from self, a refuge, Father, from the sinful society around us. And you tell us very plainly and clearly, Father, there's there's not anything that's going to work except for us to accept that and to live in it and to live out of it. And we should live every day out of this idea. And any time, Father, we come together to worship you, we should worship you with this in mind, with the refuge that he has afforded us in mind. It's in this instance, Father, refuge is also salvation. Salvation from everything, everything that he defends us from and protects us from. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, our King. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, your Son. Thank you, Father, for the priesthood you also gave him. For the offering of his own blood by the eternal spirit, which he offered in our behalf. By the access, Father, you've given him through his blood minister on our behalf right now. That reconciling, mediating blood on our behalf. 
so that we get to be, Father, in your presence at this very moment, unafraid, confident that you love us and that the kingdom, Father, is our greatest advantage. It's our only refuge in this world against sin and against self. We thank you, Father, for telling us the truth. We thank you for all the power and authority you've placed upon your Son. We ask you, Father, that you help us, that you encourage us, that you guide us to hear it, to believe it, and to walk forward in it. We love you, Father. There's no telling how much we love you, but we do love you, and we confess that. We don't know, Father, how badly we need you, but we do need you, and we know that. We thank you for making yourself available to us, making yourself available to us, Father, through the intercession of our King and our High Priest. It's in his precious name. We thank you for hearing our prayer. We praise you ahead of time, Father, for answering it according to your will. That's the very thing we've always wanted. It's by his name and authority we pray these things now. Amen. So God can't love you more than this to give his son for you. Jesus can't have more authority than he has. All the authority the king has... He didn't have to die on a cross for God to condemn you. God's got the right to condemn sin. God will condemn sin one day, forever, always. Jesus didn't die on a cross. God didn't raise him from the dead on the third day to give him authority to condemn people. He gave him the authority to give people refuge. So if there's any way we can help you in any regard with any of that tonight, uh, know the Lord better, trust him, put him on in baptism. Let God transfer you to his kingdom. If we could help you or encourage you with any of that tonight in any way, you can let us know now while we stand and while we sing. All things are ready.